Anyways, anyway. welcome back to the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> okay, Emma, what do you what do you have in mind for today? Oh man, oh man. Well, uh, we were thinking in honor of uh, Black History Month, we would go over some of the the um, key influences of of black artists, black musicians within the ska scene, which there are very many of, like, there is not, I think, a single part of ska history or the evolution of ska as a genre that was not super heavily influenced or, like, pioneered by black artists. Totally, yeah. Yeah, Yeah, it's kind of, it's kind of wild, because a lot of people still, even today, still look at ska and then assume that it's a really white genre, and... It just kind of comes out of nowhere, because, like, historically, factually, that's completely untrue. (laughs) So hopefully we'll be able to debunk some of those myths today. Yeah, I think a lot of even the the stereotypes about, um, like, the modern stereotype of, like, the white, oh, like, where's Fedora, where's the checkers, like, the negative stereotype about, uh, like, people in the ska scene, even those aspects sort of come from an origin of, like, the trends started by black artists and, like, aesthetics created, um, you know, like, in the spirit of, like, racial unity, for example, like, the checkers being a big part of, um, you know, the two-tone era. Yeah. So we're here, we're here to fucking debunk those bitches. Hell yeah. (laughs) Sorry. And then... And if you're listening and you're racist, get the fuck out. <laughs> you're not allowed here. This is not a space for you. Ska is not a space for racists. Let's let's just start that. That's that's where we're we're at today. <laughs> Absolutely not. You you can find something else, please. Uh, no no, thank you. We don't want you here. Please please acquire some tolerance. <laughs> At the minimum, you know, like. (laughs) (laughs) I have these animal crackers, and I put some peanut butter on them. (laughs) I'm pretty stoked about that. (laughs) Just thought I'd share. (laughs) Mm, Crunch, crunch. Uh, Welcome back to the Scottcast ASMR podcast. Today, uh, today's episode of Ska Cutery, we actually have crackers. Wow. Could you imagine? Oh, that'd be so cute, though, if we had, like, real, like, black and white checkered crackers or cookies or whatever. Oh, my gosh. If we, oh, my gosh, what if we did some episodes as, like, a mukbang slash live, live take of, of, like, the podcast, you know? Where we're, like, sitting there talking ska, but also, like eating cheese and crackers. Yo, I'd love that. I think that'd be so cute. <laughs> that'd be so good. I feel like that, that'd probably have to wait until we're and back in we... person, though. Yeah. And then we could get sponsored by, like, cheese companies and shit like that. <laughs> cheese companies sponsoring a ska podcast. <laughs> Honestly, that feels pretty on brand. <laughs> nice. Well, where to start? There are so many places to start. Um, this is honestly, like, I would say the research that I did is, like, not super in-depth, um, but it was, um, it was definitely, like, surface level, like, what are the key points that, um, are recognized as, as really having a lot of 
um, black influence. Which is not to say, of course, that this is like, a, like the limit of of what black influence in ska music is, but sort of like what is what is historically recorded as being especially significant. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, it's definitely not like a catch-all list of these are the only instances of this. But yeah, so, you know, Jamaican ska is where it all started, and a lot of those musicians um, were inspired by blues that came from the U.S., which, you know, of course, blues has a very strong, you know, a black influence, you know, blues and jazz. Um, and then from there, it was sort of, it combined with a lot of the more indigenous music of, um, like, Jamaica to create ska. Yeah, and a, a huge part, too, of of this origin is the, the Jamaican sound system culture, which... Um, you know, both led to the creation of ska, but also, you know, we we know that it led to the creation of hip hop. So really, the the vast varieties of music that um, that we know and love today, uh, a lot of it or- originates in Jamaica, and especially in this time in the the 1950s and 60s, where sound system culture and um, you know playing these these large open space parties and and um, musical events are really crucial to to the creation and formation of this genre. Yeah, absolutely. Um, when I was watching the, the like little documentary I found, um, it was called uh, This is Ska, made in 1964. Um, there wasn't like a whole lot of dialogue over it. It was sort of just like clips from like ska, ska like dance halls. It was like really interesting to see the the sort of energy that you know ska started out with, and I think another thing that ska is sort of like boiled down to in modern times is like skanking as the only dance, versus like in in the documentary in the documentary it was broken down into like at least four different like distinctive like different dance moves, and I, yeah like just like the the um. I don't know. It was a lot more diverse in terms of like what was perceived as like ska culture. That's cool. I have not watched that documentary. <laughs> <laughs> it's pretty sick. Just watching like I think I don't know. I find myself not really relating to like older generations as much. I think pretty often just because I don't know. It's such a different experience, but seeing, you know, all these young people in, like, the 1960s just dancing to some ska, I'm like, I feel you. <laughs> totally. I feel that. <laughs> <laughs> That's where it's at. But, yeah. Um, so, one of the very significant um, uh, musicians when it comes to, you know, the birth of ska is um, often Prince Buster is mentioned. Um and he has a legacy that sort of also continues to um, the two-tone era as well, in which a lot of um, groups in the two-tone uh, two-tone era did like covers of his songs, or even like the group Madness was named after one of Prince Buster's songs. Um, so he very much was like one of the the pioneers and like forefront. Um, faces and voices of 
creating ska, especially Jamaican ska. Could you elaborate a little bit more on like what Prince Buster did? I, if I remember correctly, he's like a, a sound system manager, like producer of albums. Is that correct? I mostly know him from the uh, songs that he recorded himself. Um, but I definitely would not be surprised if if he also sort of had hands in, um, you know, producing and more like later ska legacy. Okay, yeah. So it looks like he he kind of got his start with um, running sound systems and um, running kind of more of the financial logistical sides of of things um, with sound system and dance hall culture, but then later got interested in um, performing and writing his own music, which is cool. It, it kind of makes sense that like, you know, a lot of, a lot of like early ska aesthetics have this kind of um, non-acoustic style, I guess, like the, the, the way that like reverb and um, more like audio spatial kinds of sounds come out of this like early era, you know, are really reminiscent of um, early Jamaican sound systems. So, right on. Yeah, so one of the songs that um, when I was sort of listening to some of his releases that I found was significant was uh, Wash Wash because um, uh, I'm not sure if it includes in the, the like, uh, official uh record recording um but i found a clip um from the documentary the documentary um where it was performed live and i noticed that a lot of the drums were like reminiscent of um you know the like jamaican grassroots indigenous music um and also i think a lot of songs from that time period that i've uh listened to have a much more significant, um, you know, blues influence in terms of just, like, the the melodies and the chord progressions. And so hearing that, like, that influence as, as very recent and very prominent is, is I think, you know, it's still heard today in, in modern ska music, but it's so much stronger, especially at that point. Mm. Should we listen? I'm down. Uh... You, I'll let you pick. <laughs> Let's listen to Wash Wash. That sounds fun. I'll also send you um, a link to the documentary clip. It should start at the right spot. Um, but the drums were more... I think the the drums in the um, recorded version were a little bit more... I, I guess, like, reminiscent of, of drums we hear in, like, modern American music. Mm. Okay. All of a was great that was so fun i really prefer that version actually (laughs) yeah i wonder how much you know who is funding the recordings 
and you know in in, in control of like the the record label is how much that um you know limits what is heard and mm-hmm. you know what the the songs that are preserved and the versions that are you know recorded as like the the official recording for sure yeah i'd be curious to look at the like at the credits at the end of that documentary and see kind of where where and especially when that particular um video is from yeah i thought it was interesting how the the like synthesized organ sound is used as early as like the the origin of ska because i know we've talked about it in for example like no doubt Cowbite. um it was definitely not even though it was something that i i sort of associated already with ska music i didn't realize you know how entrenched it was in mm. the origins of ska mm-hmm. yeah i mean i guess like the the like organ synth sound is a pretty common sound in a lot of like blues and jazz coming out of like the 50s and 60s um and especially like it, it's made its rounds through popular music in the 60s as well so maybe that is kind of like where that's coming from is is those linkages between those different musical com- communities and genres yeah definitely nice nice well, here, here we are in the two-tone era um, circa 1970s, 80s-ish yeah. UK. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I mean, I think there is sort of some talk um, about what separates the second and the third wave. And so far, I've heard the answer is, like, not much <laughs> in, in terms of, like, the actual attention that was placed on Ska. But I think the main distinction, which I, I think we talked about... Um, in episode three on the third wave um but one of the main distinctions is is sort of the the main focus the main cultural focus of the ska scene at that moment and for two-tone um it's often uh categorized as being you know during this time of a lot of racial tension especially in the uk yeah um and like a lot of the a lot of the origins i see point uh to specifically the specials um and the the record label that the lead singer of the specials and his name is escaping me but um the record label that he tried to start which is called two-tone records um and that this the formation of this band and the the formation of this genre um in a sense is coming from a direct response to like the what do they what do they call themselves the national front the the like conservative uh conservative right leaning party in the UK um so that Labor? being like Margaret Thatcher and and those types um but then also you know specifically in response to like more local uh local acts of of racial violence um committed by by white assaulters in in london i always forget which party in like britain it is that's like nationalist and and shit like that Mm -hmm. but i feel like a a disturbing amount of them at least have some branch of of like you know right right right-wing nationalism 
Yeah, that shit's everywhere. (laughs) It's disturbingly bipartisan. Yeah. (laughs) Man, oh man. Man, oh man. Classic Britain. (laughs) Yeah, but that that political party was marked by a lot of, like, anti-immigrant, anti-black, anti, you know, all- anti-LGBTQ, it- anything that you can think of that's like, man, that's really shitty, these people are really shitty, like, it's all covered by the National Front. (laughs) People hating people. You know, like, women loving women, but people hating people. (laughs) Yeah, I think, yeah, the the sort of, like, anti-immigrant sentiment, I think, is especially, I guess, historically significant to um, sort of why two-tone became a thing um, in in the UK because there was like a, a pretty significant portion of like Jamaican diaspora that um, came to the UK, um, and that's seen in, in you know why two-tone gained traction. You know there was that like cultural um, cultural shift, cultural you know, trans- tr- transportation, I don't know, I don't know. <laughs> but yeah, um, and something that I found significant is the, the way that slang carried as well, um, so like the slang term rude boy, um, which had roots in, um, in Jamaica, uh, during, like, the time of, like, political turmoil, um, because they had just, you know, gained independence, um, it was used to refer to um, young people, young unemployed people, who were generally seen as like non, like government conforming, um, and that then transferred over to um, in the UK, sort of like non non compliance with government. Yeah, it definitely like two tone Scott definitely shares a lot of. Um cultural similarities with punk in that sense which is why like the the clash is often thought of as um kind of like the the punk equivalent of of two-tone um and and these were two like very strong aesthetic musical movements um in the uk at the time that were both you know really riffing on this like anti-establishment but specifically like um anti-establishment for like very valid reasons like it wasn't just kind of um anarchist for anarchy's sake it it often carried with it like a very intentional um racial integrationist um and and specifically like anti-racist kinds of um commentary which you know I, i madly respect and i if i remember correctly there wasn't there wasn't much of a two-tone movement, like, there wasn't much of a movement that, that we could classify as two-tone in the U.S., but obviously there are, a, there are definitely bands that um, followed the same kinds of um, social commentary at this time as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. I think uh, sort of drawing the comparison of Gone Punk, especially in that time in the U.K., I think as much as as we can say like it's a shame that ska's legacy is not really seen as much today in in how it's perceived by like mainstream media mm-hmm. it it sure is a uh, unfortunate how like you know punk was co-opted by a lot of like 
neo-Nazi groups and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. And really, like, took away from the original message. Yeah. Yeah, so I know uh, you brought up the, the specials earlier. So I was thinking um, we could listen to uh, a message to you, Rudy, because it's a classic. It includes Rudy, the, the rude boy reference. And also, it was in it was in Captain America. Wait, no, fuck, <laughs> Captain Marvel. Whatever. Same I didn't say that. <laughs> <laughs> but that's cool. Hell yeah, we love that that Scott representation. <laughs> Let's do it. right after you know talking about the the like political cultural background though it's very very interesting yeah in what way oh because it says like stop your messing around better think of your future time to straighten right out you know and then like the direct correlation to like the the rude boy trope yeah i'm trying to like reconcile like what that means in the context of two-tone ska to to be making this kind of um this kind of call to rude boys to like hey grow up you know like i'm not really sure how i feel about that messaging and kind of like what it what it means or if it's like intended to be ironic you know Mm -hmm. i'm not sure yeah that's definitely interesting of of like what what narrative are they, you know, describing here? I'm like doing Google searches, trying to, <laughs> trying to figure out like <laughs> me too. Why, why did they do this? <laughs> Gen- Genius was not very helpful. I know. I yeah, I looked there too. I was like, what the fuck? <laughs> this is it. <laughs> helpful. Yeah, because it shows that there's been a lot of covers of the song, which is super cool, and I think, I like kind of hilarious and like different from how normally, like, Ska seems to be covering other things. Like, this mm-hmm. is kind of one of the opposite cases, where this originated as a Ska song, and then everyone's done covers of it since then, which is, like, mm-hmm. super badass. <laughs> Propagandi, a Canadian punk band, used the melody and partial lyrics in their song, Ska Sucks! <laughs> oh no! <laughs> Damn! <laughs> Fucking savage. Imagine if someone took the song that you wrote and performed and like sampled it basically to shit on the entire genre that you're making music under yeah right and i don't know i haven't listened to that maybe that's also supposed to be ironic i'm not sure (laughs) maybe everything is ironic (laughs) right this podcast also ironic who knows maybe Maybe. no one will ever know (laughs) (laughs) Haha. <laughs> Maybe I ironically said that. Oh shit. Very, very ironic. Very post-ironic of you. <laughs> <laughs> I saw. I was looking at the um, 
at some like research for the specials earlier and trying to remember I saw something that there was like a fight that broke out, out outside one of their shows. Let me see. I couldn't find where that is. And like maybe that's kind of what maybe that's kind of the message here is like you can still be like anti-establishment but like at least like take care of each other maybe. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, like maybe. like don't don't get sent to jail, don't don't harm your your friends and comrades. Mm-hmm. Where the hell did I find that? Where was that? Maybe I'm making it up. Man, these like small tiny bits of like history and interpretation that are so hard to find. Mhm. Okay. I I found it. I mean, this is this is a Wikipedia <laughs> comment. <laughs> so um but it says the violence that sometimes occurred at dances and its associations with the rude boy lifestyle gave rise to a slew of releases by artists who addressed the rude boys directly with lyrics that either promoted or rejected rude boy violence. So at the same time, ska is something that promotes rude boy culture, but also tries to to temper it, I guess, mm-hmm. um, if it gets too out of hand. Yeah. Which makes sense. It's like it's like when you're at a when you're at a like a punk show and you know people start like actually hurting each other, <laughs> which doesn't happen. <laughs> but if it were to happen, then you know it's usually on the band to that's up there on the stage to like call them out and make sure that everyone's following the rules and you know taking care of each other. So yeah. I understand sort of like... now. <laughs> yeah. It sort of reminds me of like maybe the modern equivalent of that being how how much how much say like celebrities whether they be like artists or like other sorts of celebrities how much how much responsibility they have over what their fan bases do on social media. I would hope they they would take some responsibility, <laughs> right? W- words have meanings. <laughs> yeah. People are responsible for the words they say. I agree. I yeah. Or, or they should be. They uh-huh. should be. <laughs> like maybe not. No subtext. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like definitely, definitely socially, like they have some responsibility. Not necessarily legally, because I feel like, well, I mean, at least for music artists, at least, I don't, I don't think. I mean, there's lots of there's lots of um, legal history of black artists, um, specifically hip hop artists, um, getting convicted of crimes because of the lyrics they write, and that shouldn't be the case. That's for sure. Oh. But yeah. I mean, we're we're not we're not talking about that with like ska. <laughs> <laughs> Man, that's why getting arrested for the lyrics you write. It's fucked up, right? Like, yeah. those are literally just words. Like, you're not actually admitting to any real crimes when you're just writing some fucking words. You know? Anyway. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that was so cool. Yeah, I feel like the specials... The specials are really lasting... Um, have a lasting legacy. Despite, like, not really being around for very long. Um, at least, like, in, in kind of, like, the, the U.S. ska imaginary... Um, they kind of come and go, but I feel like a lot of their, a lot of their legacy with 
um, the two-tone wave of ska and all of the different cultural formations that came out of that, um, I think is, is another, another example of like, um, anti-racism carrying through the genre, but then also kind of its own seed for, um, anti-racist bands today, which is pretty cool. Absolutely. All right. I think we should probably maybe move on to, um, some current groups that have, uh, black artists, black musicians. Yeah. Um, um, I think the the one I think of first and foremost is definitely Scottoo Network because they have been like very very active in you know the ska scene in creating music, but also being a very prominent voice in the messaging around ska, which I think is very important. Moving to sort of not only the increased energy around ska, but also returning to what the sort of like true cultural roots of the ska scene, ska movement. Um. Totally, yeah. Like both their their involvement and you know just as their own person, kind of um, spreading the messages of ska has been super powerful. But then also like you know the ways that they are involved in like their own musical projects, but then also like more collaborative projects as well um, mm-hmm. through their YouTube channel. But then also like in being in the band, we are the union. Like they're really mm-hmm. um, doing the most and. Literally every single yeah. possible space <laughs> that you can be in, Absolutely. in like the, the music industry. Mm-hmm. And Who it's cool too because one I, person I, be that powerful. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and what's like really awesome, like about them as like a creator and an artist, is like that they also have reaches in other genres. Like they're not just putting out like strictly. Um, rock steady styles of of ska music on their channel, and they're they're not only covering like ska covers, you know, like a lot of their a lot of their work like dips into emo, dips into punk, um, and like all these these other genres, and because of that, like is able to like bring in like a new audience, um, and like I think that's a, a really powerful a powerful thing, and and something that I think. You know, it has always been a part of um, ska, like definitely second wave and on is is bringing in these other genres. But you know, they take it to such a such a next level that like a really big props to everything that they do. Yeah, definitely, and I think especially in in this era where there's a lot of energy around new tone, that that's a very significant, um, you know, cult, like sort of push for ska to be expanded in terms of, of what's categorized as ska and where you can go with it with the different influences from different genres mm-hmm. absolutely speaking of new tone bad operation bad operation uh. <laughs> wow. their album wow it's so good <laughs> i still like i still like remember when uh when we were doing that episode I- episode two which if you haven't listened to it yet (laughs) go listen to it (laughs) Um, (laughs) but yeah just listening to that um first single um which i hadn't really heard any other bad operation songs other than like maybe one even though i had heard a lot about them but after listening to it like live while we were doing the podcast i was 
fucking blown away by what I like that single song just made me so incredibly excited for what's to come in New Tone. Yeah, I recently bought their their vinyl album and it arrived super fast, which was exciting. And then I listened to it and oh man, like the the depth of like um like musical intensity that like is within each individual track but then also within the album as a whole it's just like such a powerful and exciting um aesthetic experience but also just like as as a fan of ska i'm so stoked to like see how how the genre is is progressing and like how specifically like these these bands that um you know have like, really prominent um, anti-racist agendas, but then also, like, black artists who are, like, just out there fucking, like, killing it. Um, I'm so, so stoked to to be a fan of, of Scott this time and then to support uh, Bad Operation, both, like, on social media and in my heart, but also with the cash monies. <laughs> like, I will, I'll buy all their merch at this point. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. I 100% agree. Oh man, when you tweeted at them that you had like bought the um the uh like the vinyl. I was so excited. <laughs> tweeted back. Yeah. Uh, what if what if we tweeted the podcast at them? Ha <laughs> <laughs> ha <laughs> that'd be crazy. <laughs> Wouldn't that be cr- crazy? Uh <laughs> it would, but I would love it. I love them. I guess, like, talking about, you know, Scott Tune Network, We Are the Union, and Bad Operation, of course we got to talk about, like, um, Bad Time Records and, you know, their their hand in, in doing the recent uh, Scott Against Racism release, which, you know, it was very much like an active, like, very active messaging, which is, you know, I think what's made this sort of, like, quote-unquote, fourth wave of ska. <laughs> I don't know if I like saying it's the fourth wave, but anyways. <laughs> I think it's it's what's made this period sort of stand out to me, is that there's very much active messaging on all parts, whether it be, like, the artists or the record labels, um, in reviving the, the core values of ska. Yeah. And if anyone listening hasn't yet listened to the Ska Against Racism compilation, um, you can check it out at the Bad Time Records Bandcamp. Um, and currently, you know, it's it's free for download, but they do offer some different links that you can donate to. Um, so highly recommend you check it out. Like, there's just so much, so much incredible music on on this compilation, and like a lot of. Um, a lot of covers of things, a lot of like original tracks. Like you'll you'll find something that you like. That's for sure. Hell yeah! Hell yeah! Yeah, I actually I don't know that many ska bands. I'm embarrassed to say, like modern ska bands. So if you wanted to talk about some of the the ones that uh, you listed, sure. Yeah, I mean, I I mostly mostly like had to search them up because I also don't know a lot of ska bands, and I'm also noticing that the ska bands I do know are pretty white, so I was actually glad to to be doing this kind of research and, like, lis- listening and looking up new bands to listen to. Um, but kind of the first one that I'd like to share is Hepcat. 
Um, they've actually been around for a while, since, like, the the very late 70s. Um, so they kind of fit into the the Fishbone era of, of ska. So we talked a little bit about Fishbone in our ska punk episode last time. Um, but Hepcat, you know, has a, has a really similar aesthetic quality where a lot of their, a lot of their music incorporates kind of like original, um, Jamaican ska aesthetics, but also, um, like soul and funk and jazz. So kind of those different blends. Um, but, you know, they've, um, they're really, I, I guess, I don't know, diverse in a sense, but like, um, yeah, I just really wanted to shout out that band in particular because, you know, we often, when we talk about third wave ska and we talk about, like, early ska, for some reason, Hepcat often gets left off of, off of those lists and off those rosters, um, but, you know, they're really, really have some incredible musicians, um, so... Greg Lee and Alex Desert, who are both the vocalists, um, you know, have a lot of history in, in like, R&B, but then also um, kind of soul aesthetics and Jamaican music as well. So definitely a lot of, like, those early connections between Jamaican ska and more American um, bands, you know, started at a pretty, pretty early time. Um, but also, you know, their, their keyboardist, Destin Berry, um, their guitarist for a time, Aaron Owens. I don't think he's the current guitarist, but, um, he's, he's on a couple of their previous tracks as well. But, yeah, and Hepcat, you know, even though they're, they're kind of on the older side now, they still do, um, make music, they still do try to tour. I've read in an article that came out last year that they're, um trying to release a new album this coming year, so be on the lookout for that. It's always, it's always kind of fun to see old bands come out with new stuff, um, and, you know, obviously, like, listen to new bands as well, but, you know, having, having your, your hand in these different, uh, spaces is always a fun one. Yeah. Yeah. Is there, you know, maybe a, a song we could give a listen to? Uh, I don't know. <laughs> um, you want to listen to Dance With Me? Oh, yeah. Sweet. Yeah, that one was very i don't know if uh you know all their songs are are this like the the same sort of aesthetic but it's very reminiscent of, of og ska totally yeah which is cool i mean this this album came out in 1993 so um hearing the hearing the like firmly placed like original ska aesthetics in this album in the 90s Meanwhile, like, you know, Real Big Fish is about to pop off in the 90s. It's, like, kind of kind of hilarious and, like, super cool that there's still ska bands at that time that are, like, really sticking to, to the, like, original traditions. Yeah, something that I noticed um, sort of in this one, but also in uh, when we were listening to um, 
Jamaican ska versus even two-tone, even like within that time frame, was sort of where the the offbeats lie in the pocket, where it started out very much more like like very very far back of pocket with Jamaican ska, so far that it was like almost like directly in between being swung and um, like straight eighths, um, versus in this song it's a little bit less significant, although still in the back of the pocket, I would say. Um, and I think, especially with a lot more punk influence, um, for example, like ska punk, those tend to lean on, like, either exactly on that offbeat or even sometimes a little bit ahead. So it's it's interesting to see, like, how, like, even though it's, like, the offbeat is so iconic in, in terms of, like, the, the ska aesthetic, how even within that there's so much evolution and, like, so much room for for you know different interpretations yeah yeah you're so right and like i i haven't really thought about it too much but like that's such a good point and i could also see how you know those different interpretations of the offbeat can lead to like different different like ways of of interacting with the music like different ways of dancing i definitely like bob my head differently when the when the offbeat's like more back in the pocket as opposed to like in in ska punk when it's a little bit more forward um so yeah that's a really that's a really cool point that you brought up yeah i mean yeah bouncing off your point about you know how how you interact with the music i think definitely especially getting to sort of see the people dancing along to ska like jamaican Mm -hmm. ska in uh the documentary that we saw um how it was like a lot more um you know laid back because it was back of pocket versus um you know the driving force that the offbeats bring in a lot of like ska punk where it's on top of on like at the very tip of of like the the offbeat yeah producing more of like a, a running style of skanking <laughs> yeah it's like you're you're like almost like <laughs> gotta, leaning gotta forward. Go you gotta, yeah <laughs> just wildly swinging into all the other people in the mosh pit <laughs> i love it i miss it so much <laughs> Um, I also wanted to to include the doped up dollies, and this was actually my first time really hearing about them or like listening to them to any extent. But I I noticed their name in the um, in the in the Ska Against Racism compilation, where they do a cover of the Racist Friend, which is originally a special song. Um, so I thought it might be interesting to to listen to them, but they're, but yeah, so yeah, so they're they're a a, a large largish ska band with with three women singers at the head, and I thought maybe we could listen to the, um, to the racist friend cover that they have on the compilation. Man, gotta love like, I think ska bands are so notoriously difficult to track in their history sometimes Mm -hmm. especially with you know how much like the membership changes within like one band like the the messaging as a result of that and then like just you know beyond that how i don't it's just like so (laughs) the amount of times i've like visited a band's like wiki page and there's literally like um a like a time chart of like the eras in which each person was like a member (laughs) it's yeah it's very hard to like 
oftentimes fi- find a face for ska bands. Totally. Yeah. Are you ready? Are you listening? like cool yeah right like the breakdown where it just like goes all like super delay reverby you're in this weird echo chamber it's super cool (laughs) Mm -hmm. yeah it really like uh calls back to the like jamaican dub days which is awesome to see like all these different aesthetics in this like really really modern take that is like a super super vintage cover. <laughs> Man, those those vocals like the vocals were like so smooth, and then like the the lyrics were just like very on the nose. Yeah, <laughs> that like dichotomy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> oh my gosh, I was looking up the the singers, and one of them has like the half dyed hair. Yeah, it's Damn, super what cool. What a trendsetter, right? Before cool. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Seriously, yeah, such I wish a look. I was that powerful to be a trendsetter. I don't know. I don't know how people do it. Start, start your own trend. What's your new trend? My new trend. Uh... <laughs> you know what? My new trend is going to be the no. You remember that one SNL skit with uh, Kristen Stewart? Which one? Where it's like, oh god, <laughs> it's like a a um a college student like RA intervention type meeting of like people who have been caught with like alcohol in the dorms and and like the the RAs are like don't do that kids and then there's Kristen Stewart as like <laughs> oh god this is a terrible tangent <laughs> there's and like all all the kids are like yeah oh i got caught drinking alcohol oh man I, that was dumb and then Kristen Stewart's like yeah i chopped down like 40 trees i got totally sh- wasted <laughs> it's just like on a whole nother level and yeah then, like one of the one of the like things that he does is like she was like yeah you guys ever get like so drunk that you give yourself a noha and she was just like shaved down the middle <laughs> is that the trend that you're gonna start yes <laughs> i'm a trendsetter it's gonna be cool hell yeah yo you could pull it off I could see it. No. Cute little, like, no. space bun ponytails and, like, nothing in the middle. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> I don't so know cute. if anyone could pull that off, you know, besides Kristen Stewart. True, true, true. <laughs> <laughs> well, <laughs> that was a terrible tangent for, like, no reason. <laughs> They're cool, though, right? Yeah. Yeah. Um... Yeah, I really like their like what are what are those singers the the like classic 50s ones that are the sisters, the Andrews, the Andrews sisters or whatever? I I have no idea. Uh, I don't know. Anyway, the like the like iconic vintage style three people, three women singing together. That's what this reminds me of, but it's like ska. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Such a such a powerful aesthetic. Mhm. To like pair pair with the messaging, yeah, 
And I guess like they've they've often been enlisted to to back up vocals for other ska punk bands, but um, I guess it's it's only kind of recently that they've taken their own um, dip into into like fronting a band. So so that's cool. We'll see. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. Love that for them. Hell yeah. Yeah. Noise. 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 Um and then the last band that I that I found is the Skints. And their lead singer is um Marsha Richards. Is she yeah, she's singer and guitarist. I, I'm not sure actually she seems quite multi talented. I'm not exactly sure what role she often plays in um in the skins in particular, but let me let me look up a song for us to listen to by them. Um yeah, so what I think is really cool about the skins is like they uh they bring together a lot of genres in the way that like new po- new tone new pone. I hate myself. <laughs> <laughs> In the way that like Newtone aspires to to do um, with its its aesthetic styles, but um, what's especially cool about the Skins is like being based in the UK. Um, a lot of the aesthetics that we hear there are quite different from from what I'm used to, at least uh, listening to. So I think this might be a really fun and and different listen than than we've done before. But I maybe let's listen to Ratatat. Um, by the skints. So it's rat hyphen at hyphen at. <laughs> rat at at. Rat at at. Yeah, but it, it blends a lot of really cool sounds. Here we go. I know you better better control. You could be a little better better yet a better better than me, Mr. I know you can get a laugh and know what hear and knock on any door, whatever it's tap tap. I know with a better control. You could be a little better better yet a better friend of me, Mr. I know you can get a laugh and know what hear and knock on any door, whatever it's tap 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 tap. I'm a little bit mustard, but I like a mustard, I know I like a phone, I say it like I have saying, take away my love, man, take away my love, man, get a money, I know when you see me, treat me, look up as the nature's a DVD, cause a BCRC and I will be gassy, cause I lost my life, move on around, be safe, so I'm gonna get nasty. Right? Oh my gosh. <laughs> yeah, they're so cool. Uh, wow. <laughs> oh my gosh. Yeah, don't be like the, the the combination of like really intense and like masterful like rapping um and like specifically like a, a like Brit hop style of rapping that is like reminiscent of like Jamaican toasting in some sense too, like the kind of melodies that it, it um, creates, um, but then, like, on top of that is, like, all of these, um, like, mixed kinds of emphases on, like, different rhythmic parts, like, sometimes it's in that, like, more, like, slow kind of, like, reggae upbeat motion, and then, like, every once in a while there's, like, a, a, like, pickup section out of nowhere, um, like, combined with, like, the, the cool, like, electronic delays and stuff and all these like ethereal kinds of sounds it's just such a such a wild time that was that was nutty oh my gosh (laughs) yeah i think definitely like the the rap sections i'm wondering if that's like a a 
sort of UK phenomenon when it comes to ska music because um, another so- uh, ska song that I really like um, by Popes of Chili Town also has like sort of like that uh, flip-flop between like rap sections and um, you know yeah so I'm wondering if it's like a, a UK sort of branded sound but yeah that was super interesting like the the um sort of like synthesized sounds like ambient noise in the background and then like the way that sometimes the um like harmonies would just like move parallelly yeah like, move in parallel i was like wow this is so yeah like as you said like at the real i think is the the best way to describe it man that was Literally none of that song was ever what I expected it was going to be. Damn, I don't know what to say right now. Dude, yeah, I know that's fair. And like, uh, and maybe, you know, maybe in a future episode we could, we could like really deep dive into different, like, ska of different countries and different cultures. Because like, if this is, if this is like what, what happens when we like just barely peel back the curtain like i can only imagine <laughs> sweet yeah. yeah that was work i really enjoyed that I'll yay i'm so glad listen, yeah listen, yeah listen to some more of that shit mm-hmm. it puts on my regular rotation hell yeah that's what it's all about yeah i really enjoyed doing this episode honestly because <laughs> i feel like you know coming into it i i knew like some things and I had researched, like, some things on sort of, like, a surface level. It was nice to have, like, sit down and, like, sort of, sort of share notes and, and take time to listen to some some good, good ska. Do some extra research while we were sitting here. Um, yeah, that was, that was sick. This has been a sick experience. This is why I love doing this podcast, honestly. <laughs> Aww. Gay. <laughs> <laughs> No, but you're so right, though. Like, <laughs> no, no, no. <laughs> and and what I think is so so special about this this podcast that we're able to like, um, like really really get into to a genre that we both enjoy, um, and like through specific episodes and like I'm thinking you know a lot of about this one, um, making sure to research the histories and like politics of any genre that you listen to i feel like is something that you know we should all be a little bit more on top of with our own lives and like i think it's it's really easy to go through life without thinking past what like purely the like the stylistic aesthetics of what you listen to and why you listen to it but i think you can learn a lot from digging deeper into the other sorts of stuff, the the social commentary, the political struggle, um, and yeah, and, and I think like remembering that the music that we like, um, a lot of the music's and not not just ska, but you know definitely rap, hip hop, uh, rock and roll, punk, all of that you know comes from black musicians. So um, the more the more we're able to recognize that and then, you know, give back to those communities when we're able, um, I think, the the better off we as a society will be. Yeah, giving credit where credit is due. Hell yeah. And supporting black artists now and forever. Yeah! Yeah!